0: Right ladies and gentlemen, I'm really very excited to be back with Alex from Thinking Slow. How are you doing today mate?
1: I'm very good Nick, thank you very much.
0: Awesome, well you've been busy the past week and I was saying to you just before we hit record that it's like you're in this position, I'm in this position, Miri is someone else that's in this position where we're pretty on it and we're pretty adept at spotting big glaring red flags and psyops and we all assessed that they were trying to build up a January 6th of the UK uh, with this Armistice Day clash and everything at the Cenotaph. Um, but you've been really busy with this the past week. Have you been being blocked? Did I see that? Did Laza block you or there was certainly some engagement?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's sort of starting a little bit at the tail end, but it's the, the post-Saturday, um, the 11th, uh, what actually happened. And of course... You know, I asked an obvious question that these uh, guys who I call the provocateurs, the Douglas Murrays and the Laws of Foxes, um, they were encouraging people, as you said, to have this sort of engineering a clash deliberately on on the Saturday. Uh, and then the obvious question was, well, where were these guys? And of course, neither Douglas Murray uh, nor Laws of Fox were actually anywhere near the cenotaph i mean i'm not sure how many thousands of miles away lawrence fox was because he he tweeted out that he'd flown off somewhere and he was in the middle of an ocean uh and i asked well is that you know is that reasonable have you not blown your cover because you provoke people into defending the cenotaph and then you yourself flew off somewhere doesn't doesn't that mean that your cover? Is essentially blown as a provocateur because you you weren't there, you weren't at the front, and uh, he took he took uh, umbrage to that. And uh, after a small exchange, the the account with were the usual bunch of uh, insults about being a tin foil hat wearing rabbit hole inhabiting lunatic. Um, so fair enough.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I see this this flare up. Uh, well, genocide. Um, as this enormous wheat from chaff moment, where it's 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 very black and white. You know, it's a, it's a nuclear superpower, um, and some very poor villagers with some AKs, and it's being sold as a war. Um, and to be honest, Alex, I have known that there is this alternative media that is controlled. Um, since I think I was suspicious by 2018, but by 2019, I could see quite clearly that Trigonometry's numbers are being inflated and where where has Constantin Kissin come from? How is a man that's so uncharismatic being peddled as sort of this new anti-woke voice? Uh, What's going on here? And Loza Fox would be another one. Douglas Murray, certainly, because he was very very hardcore on certain topics and then just seem to miss certain details um so I've known about this since 2019 but now is really the moment where you get to see them all stand up and say um no of course we can't have a ceasefire because it's a mass it's terrorism um it's very very obvious whereas throughout all of COVID this kind of went away this was something I was interested in in 2019 and then 2020 happened everything changed. Now it's clear as day, I think. I think it's really, really obvious.
1: So I think I think for me, there were two points where, you know, you could clearly see who was who. And 2020 was the first major point. That was the Milgram experiment, where the government coerced the citizens. And we could see the people that either completely opted out of any real opposition to that government overreach, I would put Douglas Murray into that category, and even worse, would be the people that facilitated and encouraged the government overreach. And that would be Richard Tice, who who said quite clearly that the care home workers must be vaccinated. So he was quite happy then to put a line through the most fundamental rights of British citizens and actually help the government in that coercion. So for me, they lost any kind of libertarian credentials at that point now Lawrence Fox was different because he was against uh, large sections of the lockdown and he was against the oppression of the unvaccinated so at that point you know everybody he was a dissident i guess but then but then you're right now this is the next point where you know there's another major event what are people saying and i'm much more into looking at how they categorize the peace protesters because all three of those guys have um, repeatedly smeared the peace protesters as Hamas supporters over and over again. It's a complete smear. It's a complete lie. Um, the vast majority of people, I you know, that I've seen on 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 news footage, I wasn't there myself. But, you know, even that news footage says these guys are here protesting peacefully. They're against war. Uh, they weren't chanting any kind of jihadi slogans, and there was no signs of serious anti-Semitism anywhere. But, you know, even knowing that, those were the facts, even with those facts, the Tices, the Douglas Murrays and the Lawrence Foxes continue to smear the peace movement as terrorist supporters. And that, that to me, is where they, as you said, sort of showed their hand, really, at that point.
0: Yeah, and I think it's because of the gravity of it. It is... Um, and And it's a mask-off moment, if you can see what's going on, because I think there's been an enormous campaign that I can see 10 years of it, of this stuff bubbling up through this network that was known as the intellectual dark web that sort of connects Sam Harris to Jordan Peterson to Joe Rogan. Um, I think they... Now, we will get on to... There are enormous problems with Muslim immigration into the UK, and I'm sure both of us would like to see far far less muslims in the uk um that said there appears to be an agenda to focus an awful lot of energy straight at islam from those names that i just mentioned this is the counter jihad movement and certainly myself um only within the last few weeks i am just not as scared as they want me to be of the words jihad islamist or Um, Intifada or any of this stuff. In fact, I went down to a Palestine little um, mini-march in my town um, because there's a lot of Muslims here. And it was amazingly peaceful. It was really, really, really peaceful. Um, So I'm truly not scared of what these names that you've just said, like Loza Fox and um, Douglas Murray, are very clearly pushing. They're very, very clearly pushing that these people are dangerous. I've seen lots of Fox say that, um, oh, well, you know, I can't say that I wouldn't shag someone on TV, but apparently it's okay to call to call for death to all Jews on London streets. And it's like that is one hell of a misrepresentation. And so the pattern that you see is that there are an enormous amount of media figures that are not necessarily Jewish, um, but they are beholden to this Zionist narrative and they appear to have been put there. So your Constantins, your Lozapoxes, um, it's it's everyone who's in front of a well-polished camera at this point, really.
1: I mean, it's, I, I, you know, what I can say is, I mean, I know that we, that there's some pretty good um, evidence that a lot of the work of Tommy Robinson has been funded by organisations uh Sort of affiliated with a sort of Zionist cause. I mean that—that's something I know for sure. We all know for sure. There's been uh, quite a good Guardian investigation on that. Uh, the, the the others less so. I mean, we we know where the funding from Reclaim comes from. I, I don't see a I don't see a connection, you know, through that. Uh, but I can do with uh, Tommy Robinson, and I think the main. The main thing for me, as well as the mischaracterization is the deflection of the sort of anger towards protesters and you know I pointed out to someone today that you know the protesters are not sitting there issuing home office visas for six hundred thousand people. Those protesters are not the problem the protesters are the guys upstairs you know who are making these immigration decisions it's not It's not the immigrant that's here, it's the guy that's let them in. Uh, that's the problem, and I think a lot of what these uh, Loser Fox guys uh, and the Douglas Murray is is also, you know, misdirection. You're misdirecting people's anger towards um, the, the 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 sort of symptom rather than the cause, and the cause is it. It's always this sort of whoever it is that actually runs the government. That's the cause, and those are the guys we need to worry about. I, you know, going out and causing a ruckus with. A bunch of people on the street is it's completely irrelevant I think it's it just plays into the whole divide and conquer you know that we are divided and we fight amongst each other, but it's really the guys upstairs that are of course causing all these problems they're making these decisions to issue six hundred thousand visas that's the problem it's It's not the guy with the placard on Hyde Park.
0: Well, this is one of the interesting things. I think there's, um, you notice that the Free Palestine marches have been going on for a, a, obviously a long time and they're seen as a left-wing cause and they do bring out a lot of left-wing people. And I feel like, uh, like I've been watching a lot of Navarra media to get good, honest coverage of Gaza um, because you get it there. And you certainly don't get that from the right anywhere because it's full spectrum dominance all the way to basically like Nick Fuentes, who's completely banned off all platforms you know it's not rivaling navara media you can't just go find him on youtube um so where and it's everyone you you can't get fair coverage from the right wing but you can get it from the left and so i do believe that there have been these two kind of wars going on the left wing has been doing its own thing you had the rise of jeremy corbyn in 2017 and the right wing doesn't really look at that um because you know he's a communist so we oppose him but it was a huge deal what was going on there and the media attack against him so i think it's really interesting because the the left currently are aimed at that one percent really they're aimed at the government they're calling on the government to call for a ceasefire and they're very very clear about that um And the right, it's almost like they've been put in this holding pen where they're not allowed to have any answers for, like, they're not allowed to blame the 1% anyway because they have to be pro capitalist and they're all Marxists. In fact, Loss of Fox has a very, very long, long term strategy, basically, and Tommy Robinson and all of them, when they talk about Black Lives Matter, etc., they say they're Marxists, they're Marxists, they want to Marxist you, they're communists. And this has been used as a boogeyman entity so that you don't look at something like Free Palestine, so that you you look at the, you know, how ridiculous are the queers for Palestine people, they'd get thrown off a rooftop in Gaza, etc., um, I consider it kind of my duty at the moment to like bust those myths and say the left, yeah, they might not want to talk to me because like I speak to Nick Griffin and stuff, but um, but we should because there is a grassroots left. It's working on something. They're pissed off about some of the right things. Um, and this appears to be kind of their moment. So wh- whereas the right, I, I yeah, I just think a huge amount of effort has gone into keeping the ideological camps apart so that they have a blind spot in these regards. You know, don't listen to Muslims. They're crazy. We don't want Islam in the UK. And so, yeah, to wrap that rather long rant up, I believe that what we're seeing from this gang, of Fox, uh, Douglas Murray, Tommy Robinson, is they're sort of catastrophizing some unforeseen consequences of moving all these foreigners into the UK, which is that there's a lot of Arabs that know exactly what's going on with Palestine, or a lot of people, just Muslims from all our, all around the world. And so when this happens, they all come out and peacefully protest. And so Douglas Murray's job is to make it seem like this many Muslims in the UK is the end of the UK. And that's what they're all doing. Um and so my message is pretty positive. It's like it's, it's really not that bad. They're, they're you know they're angry about an injustice.
1: I mean, there's there's a lot there to to talk about, but I think the first thing is um, the fact you can have three hundred thousand people, and even Talk TV admitted this was a peaceful crowd, um, and they saw at least in the in the during the day they're reporting no bad behavior. Uh, and the worst that these agitators provocateurs could come up with on the right was a couple of silly posters and one i mean literally one or two people from 300,000 and that's a huge a huge testament to the good behaviour of the marchers it's it's a it's really amazing that they were able to do that and i i agree with you this is this is this shouldn't be a left right issue it is not a left right issue I mean, the sort of people I work with were sort of libertarians and we're opposed to war and killing. So it, it cannot be a left-right issue. And in that sense, the left are making a lot more sense than, than the right. I don't really know what the right are doing. But if I read someone from, from uh, I think Dawn Butler was the MP. Now I could I could consider her my complete antithesis. I mean, everything she thinks about economics and uh, and cultural Marxism, it makes my blood boil. But on this particular point, where she's calling for a ceasefire, I think any humane libertarian per- person would support that I definitely would support that. I have no problem to say, I completely support Dawn Butler in a call for a ceasefire. And, uh, you know, I-, I think you're right, this whole trying to make this uh, a right issue of being against the left is ludicrous. But but this whole conflict in a way it's a perfect divide divide and conquer tactic because it's it's not only left and right that they're trying to force this into it's young against old generally uh, and and it's also you sort of uh uh indigenous versus new newly arrived let's say so you've, and and you've got muslim christian as well so you've got all the dividing lines available to you and these guys are ruthlessly using that to pit people against each other. And that I think that's what's going on. And I, I don't buy into it at all, I've got much more sympathy with the hard left, because they're calling for a ceasefire. That's a humanitarian position. I, I can't imagine a single person who's really a libertarian, humanitarian would be against that. There's, and, and actually, if you look around the world, something they don't report here, but one of the United Nations resolutions for a ceasefire, uh, was voted for by 120 countries so l- literally the whole world bar i think it was 14 voted against versus 124 the whole world wants a ceasefire and you know the, the right, the sort of quasi right i i wouldn't even call them right i would just call them provocateurs the provocateurs and the warmongers want to present that as a, as a sort of a strategic advantage for hamas or something it's it's totally mad it, it, you know, every normal, sane person wants a ceasefire, and the only the warmongers don't want that, and therefore they they do these stupid somersaults to try and justify why they're against a ceasefire. And I'm not buying it, and I would rather sit with the with the far left on this than than any of those guys.
0: No, um should we, should we zoom in on what happened on Saturday as well? Because my mm. assessment. Uh, yeah my goal was to get a video out that at least basically warned people or i did my bit and i assume that a lot yeah i I think i spotted a few other people that felt this way and we can say that we did our bit and said look don't go to this it's it's very clearly you know january 6th worked um loads and loads of trump supporters are now in prison for a huge amount of time and because it worked Let's do it again. And,
1: yeah, um, we,
0: yeah. uh, and it's also, that happened quite a long time ago. So we've seen the fallout and exactly what the agenda of that was to sort of make pa- link patriots to terrorism, to some sort of terrorist yeah, threat. Yeah. Um, that Yeah, that's where we were at. The, a few details from the day is that the uh, Free Palestine March, just as soon as it looked like it was going to get hairy, they made sure they weren't going to be at the cenotaph or maybe they never planned to go there
1: never, there was never, it was never part of the route. And they made it very See, This is what really annoyed me as well. They made it very clear. We're not going anywhere near the cenotaph and we're not doing anything at 11, which is the two minute silence. So they, I think they made every effort to say, look, we're having the march, but it's not going to be at 11 and it's not going near the cenotaph, but the right just carried on with this. And Douglas Murray had this literally a demented tweet from the uh, 2nd of November, I think it was, you know, they are intending to defile our most sacred place, you know, they will descend and destroy everything. Well, where do you get this from? Because this is the route march. And they've said specifically, they're going nowhere near the sent So everything he said was completely invented. And of course, you know, the proof of the pudding was on Saturday when they went nowhere near any of those places and nothing, none of his uh ridiculous uh, predictions what w- came close to being realized it was all complete fiction no but what did happen
0: was that tommy robinson did turn up for a bit and i presume that that just raises the energy if let's say yeah. you've got i don't know how many people were there i and i i guessed that the the palestine marches would be enormous sort of up to 800k is what i forced i think well i might have heard that figure since but i knew they'd be bigger than any of the lockdown marches were and rivaling the iraq war which i hear was a million yeah. we're, we're on that level again uh whereas i reckon tommy can get about four to five hundred uh with his current poll really i don't think many people are falling for this um i think you'd have to be stupid to do it um a lot of reasons I thought it would be it'd be tiny. So the idea that if these people met, it's almost like israel Palestine, really. But what did happen is Tommy turned up for half an hour, got those 400, 500 people very agitated. They were allowed to stream in um and then about a hundred of these men were arrested. and I don't know how long those prison sentences are going to be uh, or what they're going to get charged with. um but I know that we had a responsibility to warn people not to do this whilst this lot were doing the opposite.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think think the point for me was not a physical brawl where somebody wins. It's unfortunately in today's world, it's just the photo op that they wanted. What I actually think they wanted is they wanted an older veteran getting set upon by young sort of Palestinian-looking guys. I think that's what they wanted. And they wanted then to, you know, present... Israel's war in Gaza as a front of the same war that we're fighting at home. I think they were looking for that kind of thing, because really, I think they've got three objectives in what they're doing that they've they've mixed together. One, one of them is to build more support in the UK for Israel's, let's say, ultra robust, just to be as kind as you possibly can be, ultra robust response to Gaza. So I think a lot of people understand it's kind of sickening to watch those videos of buildings being blown to smithereens. So, you know, I think one thing they were trying to do is bolster support in the UK for that. Uh, the second thing they were trying to do, and actually Robinson has now admitted this, is to is to extend the war into Iran, which is the neocons' dream. And that's where Douglas Murray comes in. This has been their dream to be fighting with Iran for decades now it's been a neocon uh, ambition to have a war with Iran and and Tommy Robertson has included that in one of his tweets and then the third thing is what they actually advertise which is dealing with um w- with sort of extremists inside the UK uh but of course n- neither Douglas Murray nor Tommy Robertson actually live in the UK which is also you know, a bit of a giveaway that these guys are playing you essentially. So, um, I think that's what, I think that's what's happening. I think they wanted the photo up in order to bolster support, which they must understand is quite limited for for Israeli actions. In a way, liquid actions, I think, is more accurate in Gaza. You know, a lot of people are not happy seeing those videos of whole buildings being blown to smithereens. It's it's uh, it's very difficult to really get on board with that.
0: Well, this has been going on periodically out there the whole time for seventy-five years. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's arguable that this is the worst period since nineteen forty-eight, um, mm-hmm. the original formation of the state. Um, but we live now. We 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 are in a time where technology is caught up, and uh, it's unavoidable now. Um, and anyone that's cheerleading for this in any way comes off as a monster immediately. So it's like Alison Pearson was one of these voices that just disgusted me straight out the gate. Um, and, I, you know, it applies to many, many people. I just happened to be following her because she was on this weird borderline with lockdowns and vaccines. She's all sort of yeah. always been a strange character in that one. Um, and then there was no middle ground on this issue. It was like, no, yeah, they yeah, yeah. they need to get Hamas and obviously huge there's actually been very interesting debates in the US. You've got Candace Owens breaking away, um, and Ben Shapiro has to deal with that. And in my mind, he he does he's just barely an American. He works for the Israeli state. Like, clearly, he's an advocate for Israel in the United States, and an incredibly loud and powerful one who's sort of been masquerading as an American conservative for a while. Um but it's quite amazing to see, yeah, the likes of Candace Owens or Lauren Chen, um, I'm trying to think of some others, but there's big swathes of commentators who don't appear to be owned in the same way because they're they're much more reasonable over here. It does feel, it feels full on the right way. And, and like you say, I, I read tweets from Labour MPs on this one issue. And I'm like, yes, I'm in complete agreement. And it's incredibly strange that there's probably about 50 of them. I think there's about 50 Labour MPs that seem to be allowed, I don't know if that's the right word, but allowed to touch this subject.
1: I mean, that is a little bit uh, strange that the system is working a little bit and that there is uh, some, you know, voiced opposition inside Parliament to, you know, supporting this military action. Um, You know, I think what you said about no middle ground, again, that's deliberate. That's the world we live in. It's a divide and conquer world, isn't it? You have to to choose your flag and you have to stick it in your bio and you have to chant the chant. You, You either you know, you either stand with Israel chant or you uh, free Palestine chant, you can't say, well, actually, as you said, this has been going on for 1000s of years, Uh, both sides have done a lot of fairly unpleasant things. And it's just something I don't actually get into the nitty gritty. Uh, Of course, you know, I can, any normal person would condemn, uh, you know, completely Hamas's actions. That's that's a given. But then at the same time, that doesn't justify unlimited civil, civilian casualties in response. So a reasonable person can can condemn both of those things and say, look, this is not a black and white, you know, I don't want to be choosing a flag to stick in my bio in this situation. You just, it's it's not that kind of situation, but that's what the whole system is pushing you into. You can, it's a binary choice and that's all there is to it. And if you choose this option then you support terrorism. I mean, it's it's just infantile, and uh, I I don't I don't have any time for it.
0: Well, I'll tell you what I I spoke to an imam on Friday night, and I was like, I am a bit befuddled and bemused by Christian leadership at the moment because I consider myself a Christian. The more um, these crises we have to fa- face the harder my faith seems to get and the better a guide for what's actually going on. Um, Christianity, as I understand it, seems to be like the Bible does actually explain what's going on right now. Jesus said to love thy neighbor and look at how Zionists treat their neighbors. Like you you can actually use it, but um, I've been very dismayed by the irreverent podcast who came out as they were great against lockdowns and vaccines um sort of lost us with the royal family and uh, and a few things after that and then and this it's just like off a cliff whereas the muslim world is united on this and i asked the imam like um how come you guys are one voice on this issue when you know, you know there's massive debate within islam you're not all one voice on everything um and he, he said that it's because it's just a it's just a a just crusade it's like a moral cause and it's really really obvious and um we're taught to care deeply about it so it's this long-term erosion of religion or faith um through sort of new atheism and these various movements you can trace this back a very very long way the attempts to undermine a christian society I do wonder whether this this sustained attack on Islam, which sort of flowered out of that new atheism thing, It it turned into the counter jihad thing with Sam Harris, I think that that might be a sustained attack because Islam is standing up to a lot of these things, for instance, Palestine, and that's because the Imam did not view Palestine as a Muslim cause, but Obviously it is a Muslim cause because it's good versus evil and it's, you know, justice, but he didn't view, and none of the speeches, a lot of the speeches talked about how Jews, Christians, and Muslims used to live there and they want the ability to all pray at the wall together and, and this kind of stuff. It was very interesting that they didn't appear to view it as a Muslim cause because of this campaign to, get people to be so terrified of islam which did it worked on me really really deeply because of people like Douglas Murray and Tommy Robinson to really really fear these people that seem to be putting up a large resistance to this
1: i do i i don't know so much about that that um discussion you had i, I i'm not sure what the what the angle would be on a sort of iman level what how they would view this or what they would think about it um you know again I, I would steer away from any kind of binary good versus evil for me it's not it's not like that um, um I, I as as i said i'm not ai am not a big uh, I, I i can't support something like hamas uh with its 1988 charter it's um it, it's just really unacceptable a lot of things that are in there but but on the other you know on the other side uh, liquored 1977 original party policy is also, funnily enough, uh, from the river to the sea is actually a liquored party policy in its original policy document uh, that from the river to the sea should be under Israeli sovereignty exclusively. Um, And so it's, you know, you're sort of picking at which is less bad or worse or, and it's, I don't, I can't get, get into that. I think you need a tremendous knowledge base of who did what when, uh, and I, I kind of steer away from the actual conflict itself and and making judgment calls. I'm, I'm more interested in who's pushing which angle why in, inside the UK. That's much more uh, where I can add a bit of value uh, because also with, we haven't touched on, but social media has been manipulated again uh, in exactly the same way I saw during the Ukraine campaign you know massive bot operations that and the same it's almost the same playbook and you can see it all over again yeah you can see a a tight group of people and funnily enough that if you find a bot you can find and then you can link which accounts is it's amplifying and it's amplifying you know as you said what you would think to be a diverse group of individuals so it is it is douglas murray it is tommy Robinson it is richard tice it's daubney they're all being amplified pretty heavily by at least one bot account that i put into one of the films and you know you'd think okay that's a diverse group that you know they're not necessarily related in any way but that but the fake traffic is is amplifying all of them so you kind of know they're all on the message that's being amplified and you know whoever really is behind that amplification sees these talking heads and wants them to be higher up in the timeline than they are in reality. And it's a huge, we're talking huge numbers of fake accounts doing this right now. Uh, And again, it links, you can then see the map of which accounts is it amplifying. And that links all of those individuals together. Uh, And so they're all they're all must be really logically speaking, pushing roughly the same message
0: okay and one of those messages at the moment is a complete reversal on free speech principles so that's something i've been trying to point out at the moment which is the um is yeah. the guys who make up the bulk of gb news and talk tv are now um calling for the heads essentially of like the woman with the coconut placard which uh quite frankly as a nationalist i pointed out like yeah, I agree. White people should run white countries. Brown people should run brown countries. Like maybe that wasn't the message she was going for, but I'll take it. You certainly shouldn't have your life destroyed for a little cartoon is one of my yeah. fundamental principles. And it's supposed to be one of theirs. Um, There's also a woman with a uh, swastika star of David placard. Um, which I've seen before, you can find that offensive if you like, but the point is these are the people that have been running podcasts and like comedy shows about how you shouldn't get fired for an opinion or a joke or a, a piece of art or these or, or a protest, um, these kind of things. All of the names that you uh, are pointing at, that is an agenda that they're going for at the moment is a clampdown on free speech and they're basically suddenly pro-censorship.
1: Yeah, and again, it's, you know, if you look at the dangerous ideology in the UK, it's not coming from one guy with a silly poster on the Hyde Park. Um, It's coming from the same sort of political class pushing things like woke ideology on uh, intersectionality that that kind of thinking is very very dangerous and that's what these guys do you know 24/7 and and you know that's so much more dangerous than a guy with a placard and and I agree this I I'm also I also believe that the laws restricting free speech are perfectly adequate you know you've got um defamation claims that you can make sort of in the civil in the civil courts And then there's a whole load of criminal things about inciting violence and all the rest of it and that's that's fine the limits we have are perfectly adequate but a guy holding a stupid poster doesn't it's not close to any of those things so i think it's ludicrous to be trying to um, arrest people for doing things like that
0: well they're now in a habit of whipping people up into a frenzy right um, so a few weeks ago it was about the initial claims against Hamas which I keep reminding people started with 40 beheaded babies and it's yeah, yeah. being reeled back um, and then the next thing was there's going to be an attack on the cenotaph let's wind people up about that and then this week I think it appears to be let's wind people up about the signs because uh, I guess yeah. Jews don't feel safe in the UK Um but, but more specifically, it's a complete reversal on the free speech thing. So, I just think it's um it's like a duty to discredit these people and and point out that they're um they're just being fed the same thing. um but it's remarkably wide because I was pointing we we should connect Suella Braverman to this because she's put out this resignation letter. and have you read it? Yes,
1: yeah, I, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. um I. You know that's a that's a big name to be kind of connected to the agenda, because compa- we were previously talking about Tommy Robinson, Douglas Murray, of Fox. This is sort of a a fringe area, really, compared to Suella Braverman. But I do from from it looks she was putting out the same basic messaging as the rest yeah. of them. the Cenotaph is at risk, and now we've got this situation where it's being used. I don't know how it's being used yet. Can you have you got yeah. thoughts on the letter
1: yeah uh, well, I just going back to to your point about the hate speech, I think you're right that it the reason it does feel like clutching at straws because as I said, the three hundred thousand people were essentially impeccably behaved on the day and and nothing really happened, uh, certainly from the free Palestine March. so what these provocateurs are left with is sort of it, it's a offense archaeology. In the same way that the woke mob would would go after somebody for a you know a tweet from ten years ago that there's nothing there was no substantive issue there's nothing no bad behaviour criminal behaviour violence to go after the uh, anti-war marchers so they're left sort of clutching at straws like oh look we found a guy with a silly poster and I th- I think that's what it is because their plan A of actually inciting violence didn't work. So you're left with these slightly silly, um, you know, they sung the wrong song, or they they had the wrong placard kind of thing. So I think you're right there that it's it's clutching at straws. But um, on the Braverman thing, um, I, you know, as I said, at the beginning, I think these smear campaigns against uh, anti war protesters, where you either label them as sort of uh, terrorist supporters or friends of Hamas or whatever, it's totally outrageous. I think she called them hate marches. Uh, I think that's so despicable because, um, as I said, in in the group of people I know who are anti-war, it's just a completely natural humanitarian position to take to be against war. I mean, it's the most basic fundamental human position you could ever have about anything. And to be labeled a sort of purveyor of hate because of that is sickening. And, uh, that's why i have no time i've no time for these people i you know I, I i don't know why people put so much faith in them um it, it's completely bizarre to me it's it's just such a hateful comment and so unjustified and untrue uh, so i no no interest in what this lady says or does about anything to be honest
0: good man i mean i i, I can't trust the government on anything after yeah. 2020 and many things prior and many things since um, yeah. so this is, so I'm treating them all with suspicion anyway, but I am wondering how this is gonna be used because I saw it the size of January yeah. 6th, you know? it's I, yeah, I saw it coming down the line as that big. I see her as a pivotal character in whatever this divide and conquer thing is. um, it seems like she is sort of being sold as a character that was actually against immigration and actually stood up for the British man or something. I think that's the way they're gonna try and use it uh but then, but the other thing to note is that um i've I've done a fair bit of mocking of the guys that um showed up at the cenotaph, but I will point out that they were lured into a trap and they were wound up, and they um Some of them will have their lives destroyed by the state for not really doing anything wrong because none of them came there with the intention... uh, I don't think any of them came there with the intention of getting violent. I think they were provoked by the police. I've seen pictures of men with bloody heads and, yeah, over 100 arrests. Uh, And I believe that's because Tommy Robinson shows up and there's loads of horses around and you're outside number 10 and it's all manic. And stuff just happens like um i've been in a kettle before or a few kettles um that became a term in i think about 2012 or it was after occupy wall street and various global movement attached to that i went down to some of them and i got put in a kettle and it's called that for a reason because you put the people in you keep them in they get hotter and hotter and hotter and something eventually happens and the police The state get what they want, which is a crime being committed. Um, So I've got I do actually have sympathy for these guys because um, it wouldn't happen to other protesters. It wouldn't happen to Just Stop Oil. It wouldn't happen to any of these other causes. So that's another element of it is that there is a two tier policing system. And I think they quite openly want the GB News viewers to be pissed off about that. I think they want them to know that there's a two-tier policing system compared to these different protesters and, and be enraged about it.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's the, the thing that worries me most about this, actually, is that the the likes of Tice... Uh, Douglas Murray, I think his speech was borderline insane on, on that uh, Anderson interview. Uh, you know, they're running the police down and they're openly saying that the police are losing control and Murray said, "You know, the citizens need to step in. I mean, you are talking like complete anarchy at that point. So, these guys running down the police all the time, I think, is is just monumentally dangerous. Uh, yes, there's a problem with two-tier policing, but again, you know, who's who's responsible for that? You know, we're 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 sort of shouting and waving our fists at the pr- protesters at the peace rally." But the, the two-tier policing has been a, a process over 20 years, 15 years. Um, you know, UK Column warned about this uh, common purpose years ago. Uh, and the, and the uh, Tories have just let this happen year in, year out, you know. And actually, in a lot of this kind of weird wokeification, they, they've had a finger in it as well. So, again, the idea that uh, Sue, Suella Braverman, has been a part of this system comes out as some kind of heroin, it just just to me I find amazing and and people buy this, you know, that you know, they as people I know who have been dissidents all of a sudden are all excited about, you know, Suela's run at the leadership. Well, all of these things that are causing us problems, mass immigration, wokeification of the of the civil service, um, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, have all been on their watch. I mean it's been going on for decades. Uh, so I, I I just don't understand why people refuse to accept that simple reality, and they they believe in this fantasy that you know there'll be a sort of uh, the the white knights of the Tory Party will come in and save everything. It's mad in my view. Oh, it's completely bizarre, especially
0: because like I've been watching this since basically Brexit. That's when I took a a a heightened interest in um politics is after the referendum so i followed you know the um 1922 committee and all this stuff and these names that you'd see like graham brady who seemed to be quite sound on the anti-woke thing prior to 2020 and then the vaccines and the lockdowns come along and no one's got any principles and you get and you suspiciously get um you know Christopher Chope standing up one moment and then sitting down. Um, and was it Charles Walker standing up for a bit and then sitting down and then Andrew Bridgen standing up for an extended period of time to play divide and conquer and then no one else is standing up. And I'm like, there's been a whole load of people that should be forming a coalition and they, ju- and they just never do it. So the whole system is false. Now, I believe that they're putting off a general election because both parties are going to absolutely hemorrhage i think an enormous n- number of people know that the conservatives they've had 13 years and every pledge that they've had they've done way the opposite you know mass immigration under the 13 years of the tories is way worse than anything tony blair did so you don't get to blame labor no more uh, i think a lot of people have got that message um and labor wow they're going to lose a tremendous amount of votes over what's going on right now um and therefore i think they're not calling the election and i think that's the most fertile time to just change people's minds that would be the time when they call the election that's when i'd most want to go out and like cause a bit of trouble at hustings and that because um are you in the set you in the same position as me where basically i would like to see the least voting that we can get because i want as little faith in the system as possible i believe that when absolutely no one believes in it then you reach a tipping point yeah
1: well just coming back to your first point i'd i'd give a, i'd give more credit to the tory backbenchers to be fair i think there have been some really good guys um but i think it's so typical of the system that you don't know who they are i think one guy We've been looking at on the vaccine debate was a guy called Rag, I think W R A G G, who did a fantastic job, but you never hear of these people, and it's like not a coincidence that the guy and you the names you mentioned. They're backbenchers. I think that's deliberate. The guys with their snouts in the trough, uh, you know, close to power, are the bad guys, and I do think you have a, a bunch of good backbenchers. Uh, but you know, because they're good guys in a way, they are on the back bench. Because I think a lot of the guys on the front bench have sold their souls somewhere down uh, down the line. Uh, but there were good Tory backbenchers, and one of the issues we got involved in, and still involved in, is the forced coercion uh, vaccination for care home workers. And there were a couple of good backbenchers that stood up and said, "This this is unethical, and that that's all there is to it. There's no nothing more to debate." On this subject so i i would give those guys a little bit of credit but there's a small minority and as i said they're on the back bench but in terms of <clears throat> collapsing the faith in the system i mean inevitably you know it's it's the na- nature of cycles that you you will hit a low point at some at some point in time from which you can you know build <laughs> i don't want to say build back better but uh you can build back from um and i i don't think we're there yet now you know, w- w- you know, I think for the for the globalists who actually kind of run the show, I don't really think they care, you know, who votes for who, or what the turnout is. Um, so I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I don't know is the answer. I mean, I don't think, you know, I'm, I think, if there is a way out, it's going to be maybe one of these curveball suggestions, like Neil Oliver has of direct democracy, uh, there could be some curveballs in that that come in and actually change the system. Because I think the two-party system, they don't care how many people vote, don't vote. I don't think they even care who actually gets returned into parliament because, as you said, a lot of what the Conservatives have done has been the diametric opposite of what people wanted. Um, so, you know, I think for me, not yeah, not voting for the two main parties, uh, that's a good idea and that would be a good signal. But it, it's it's we're not at the point of having a really realistic third party that would actually, you know, do some of the things we'd like them to do. That's, that's the problem. So I, that's a sort of long, long way of saying, I don't really know. Uh,
0: <laughs> well, I think that the, it's quite obvious that the system prevents uh, ethical people or ethical movement exactly. from making any headway. Yeah. Basically, It gives, yeah, uh, yeah it incentivizes like <laughs> the immoral people win in this system. But at the same time, we're we're witnessing, I'm sort of taking a big zoom out lens here, but um, mm-hmm. the lies of the system have become inconsistent, the sort of diversity is our strength, doesn't work anymore. Um, there's loads and loads of narratives that aren't holding weight. Um, and I think because of the internet, I think because of people's connectivity, I think it's very interesting what Twitter does to a conversation because it kind of accelerates it by shoving everyone into the same place and forming these echo chambers you can kind of hurtle towards consensus quicker on these issues like i don't think i'd be uh, have been discussing you know whether or not viruses are real at all without twitter or telegram and these kind of um entities that it's such a threat social media i think they built it as a prison uh, but it's become a, an enormous threat to the system and it's kind of just built on so many lies that it's naturally collapsing. That is basically my assessment of it, is that you're don't you you're correct. You don't need to worry about who to vote for, really. And the last time I did that was in 2019 because I was so worked up over Brexit and that was just an utter waste of energy. Um, it doesn't work like that. But I do believe that they need people's attention in a certain way way they use fear so often to keep people sort of hypnotized on something and that's because without us doing that then they can't really succeed
1: yeah i mean there's huge psychological manipulation all over the place um it's just a fact and it i mean it's a slightly off topic but that's i think for me the biggest failure in the covid inquiry is they let the head of spy b just say well actually we only said that once and then we changed our minds, so it doesn't count. And and the, the 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 KC just said, yeah, okay, fair enough, then. So you didn't use fear. It's just mind boggling. I mean, uh, you know, they weaponized fear, and and uh, uh, and the committee, the the COVID inquiry, just uh, didn't pick up on that at all. But yeah, we it's been huge psychological manipulation all over the place. And uh, you know, I think I think you might get to some consensus on on Twitter, but still, Twitter is is about polarizing people. And as you said, keeping them in the echo chamber, it's it's also a divide and conquer machine, as far as I can tell. So uh, I haven't really seen any of those kind of um, consensuses uh, developing there, just more polarization, people throwing mud at each other and getting angry, including me. Uh, So it's it's not a it's not a tool for a harmonious society and common common values.
0: Well, no, in a sense, I believe it is the metaverse prison. And Elon Musk wants to put a chip in your brain and therefore we're living as these avatars and so social media is an evil prison. But at the same time, lots of footage of what's actually going on um, that wouldn't have been there, you know, 50, 60 years ago. Now, because you brought up the COVID inquiry, I want to ask your perspective on one character that we haven't brought up yet. And that is Laura Dodsworth, because... um, and that, and that it's specifically because State of Fear came out early, and it had. Mm-hmm. A, I don't know if you've read it, but it really yeah. does catalogue uh, the activities of Spy B and Sage to manipulate the public um, and the use of mm-hmm. fear. It's it it really covers it in extreme detail with a direct line to uh, some pretty important people for quotes. Uh, very very shocking read. But I've got her pegged like Douglas Murray as one of these characters that quite frankly doesn't make any sense from where I'm sitting uh-huh. now. Um, uh-huh. The analogy would be I read Strange Death of Europe, it's all true, it terrified the pants out of me and radicalized me to that basic position of being sternly against mass immigration. Um, State of Fear, I mean I was already heavily anti-lockdown and all of this other stuff but it explained it in the same detail. And so I believe it's serving the same purpose. Um, So I don't know if you've zoomed in on her at all and you've got any thoughts.
1: No, I mean, my my only thought is, and I think it's more with Douglas Murray, is if you you believe these things um, and they cause you a lot of heartache, you would actually, if you had the patriotism that you keep claiming to have, you would actually try and roll up your sleeves and get involved in the system, however bad it is. And try and fix it, and I think it's a point you made. The guy just moves on and writes the next book um you know, and that to me is always a little bit suspicious. I mean, not every author can be a political campaigner, but you know there must be a bit more there must be a bit more sort of genuine effort at fixing some of the problems you've identified, otherwise it just becomes you know, some almost a money making exercise just to write something great and then move on to the next subject i that kind of causes me a bit of a uh, heartache, and of course, the madness of crowds is the ultimate lunacy. Having written the book and having the crowd having gone mad, he was just nowhere to be seen, uh, which is I, I find that that, that 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 speaks of sort of a lack of in- integrity and, and genuine care for what he's writing about, really.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you what I watched Navarra Media and. Um... I'm weirdly getting more and more taken by Aaron Bastani because he he says certain things. that uh, He's got an interesting perspective. I don't know how much I agree with him at this point. I hope I'm not being radicalized into becoming a, a Marxist. Um, don't feel like I am. But what he said about Douglas Murray was really interesting because it was a character assessment. It was saying, I've never seen him say a single nice thing about anyone. He appears mm-hmm. to be just a sort of sardonic sadist and he compared him to Peter Hitchens who interestingly you would sort of see as a human black pill but he says that he he likes having back and forth with Peter Hitchens and not with Douglas Murray and it's because there's um he seems to be relishing being the guy that's telling you it's all over though I'm sure you can make that argument about Peter Hitchens to be fair but at least Peter Hitchens was was there on lockdown people argue yeah. that sold out on the vaccine thing. But to be honest, that's just Peter Hitchens. I think he'll yeah. just do that.
1: Well he's he's if I have a hero, it's got to be Peter Hitchens. Uh I, I love his work and uh I, I just find him a very interesting guy. But uh you need you need a pinch of salt, of course, because he is quite dour. Um but uh that doesn't that doesn't detract from the fact he's right about pretty well everything so uh you know on, on the douglas murray side i mean he is a member of this uh huge J- henry jackson society which is of course the ultra hardcore robert kagan and company the, the really crazy angry neocon warmongers who who just cannot get enough blood those guys they are I would say, fairly evil, to put it wildly. So if you're friends with those guys, you just don't care about countries, people, lives. It's all a neocon chessboard, and you just go around the world pushing your hegemony on on anybody you feel like, whenever you feel like it. And, you know, the collateral damage, civilian casualties is just irrelevant. And so I, I have no time for those guys. I think that they are the genuine curse on humanity, I mean that's as bad as strongly as I could put it, so anybody that's hanging around in those circles, I wouldn't expect them to be remotely pleasant in any way or caring in any way so i'm I'm not particularly surprised of a negative assessment
0: no, I mean he's being used as a really disgusting prostitute at the moment, like the um the footage of him where he gets interrupted on the Gaza border by a rocket that's flying over. It is from the the way that he looks is Israel into Gaza, but he claims it's coming from Gaza. But the sentence that he said, Douglas Murray, before seeing that rocket fly over was um, the comparison between Hamas and the Nazis is insufficient. And then he got cut off before he could elaborate on that utterly extraordinary claim, because if the history is to be believed... The experiments of Joseph Mengele cannot be compared to these children that are being bombed right now. Um, so it's it's he is being paid to yeah to dehumanise people, which is a term that as is in a lot of leftist discourse, and the right wing aren't really supposed to look at. But you can see it full pelt there. I think you're right that Douglas Murray is uniquely evil because he'll allow himself to be used for this so openly he's going on a world tour to justify what's happening it's like he sprinted to the front of the queue and said pick me let me be the guy for the job
1: well i mean he was he was beginning to get into the collective punishment there being reasonable that he was quite far down the route of there's no such thing as an innocent palestinian Um, you know, they, they, uh, they put Hamas there and Hamas thrives off them. Therefore there's guilt by association. I think he was going, I don't want to paraphrase or misquote, but, uh, you know, that's where he was heading with that logic. So it's, it's pretty bad logic. I would say when you're talking certainly on with children, I mean, how on earth can you possibly ascribe guilt to children? Uh, just completely weird, but, um, yeah, I mean, I he's performing obviously a role that he must want to perform and in some way find rewarding.
0: Well, it's disturbing, and that's why we fight against it. So I'm I'm going to wrap up now because we've had our hour. Yeah. But um, no, it's it's been an absolute pleasure, and um, and I do what I'm hopeful about is that I think the longer this goes on, the longer people say. You know David Curtin is always right about everything. Trust Miri's blog; it's always a great read. Um, we do have a network here that just sees things in the same way. I don't think it's just a bunch of disparate individuals. I also don't think it's dog eat dog, where people are uh, nipping at the heels to be in a hierarchy. UNN, I would chuck in this as well. UNN and, and uh, just consistently great um you know it it is happening it's there there's a, a big spread of people and there's a big divide between them and what i guess you'd call the grifters and the shills and that and it's clear yeah. as day now so i'm quite celebratory really
1: it's gonna be a long process though i think it's gonna be a long haul so uh but yeah it's interesting i think you're right people are including me i mean uh you were saying sympathy for the people at the cenotaph, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't put it out of question that I I could have been one of those guys five years ago, you know, you listen to Tommy, this is it, let's get the train in. And you're being completely misled and manipulated all the way down. And uh, now I realize that, but you know, years ago, I may not have had any, even an inkling of that. So.
0: No, but um, but it's it's fun trying to be one of the guys who's trying to wave at people on Twitter and go, hey, hey, you you haven't seen it. And my weird conclusion is that Nick Griffin is
1: right, but
0: weirdly, so is Jeremy Corbyn.
1: Um, that is a weird combination.
0: <laughs>
1: anyway, it's been great to chat. We'll good. do it. all right.
0: Um. Yeah. Okay.
1: <laughs> Very good. Okay. Thanks, Nick.